Welcome to the Insider World Building Podcast, the place where you can experience life in another dimension, told from the perspective of a visitor to that dimension. I'm Fox Keys, that visitor is me, that dimension is called Dunaree, and I have lived here since I was tricked into passing through an interdimensional gateway just after my 14th birthday. In this episode, I describe my official introduction to the magical substance Levun and explain how magic can be normalised to make it more relatable. Learning about Brogant, even the basics, wasn't easy. Steinkat kept bringing me new books and they piled up so fast I took to hiding them under the bed so I didn't have to be reminded of them all. Luckily, the bed didn't care. The more I read, the less I thought about escape. For two reasons. Firstly, I was never going to find the gateway without knowing more about Dunri. Secondly, learning about Lavon was interesting. The morning after my escape attempt, Ganhook arrived at my room to talk about Lavon. He said, while Steinkat will take over at some point, I will do the basic Lavon introduction. Steinkat died at least three times experimenting with Levun. She might be smart, but she's still a cat, and magic doesn't come easily to cats. He explained that Levun was accidentally discovered by a farmer called Jode Mig. The exact details may be lost to history, Ganthuk said, but legend has it that Mig noticed that some clusters of his corn prospered better than others. Investigating this, he unearthed a new powerful material. Ganhek produced a silver egg, unscrewed it into two pieces, handed me the lower half and said, It looks like this. Pure Levon. Something like a brown peppercorn sat amid a wisp of mist inside the egg. Ganhek said, Legend also has it that Mig wanted to name the substance after himself. But everyone else thought that Mig didn't sound like an appropriate name for this new power. Somehow, it ended up being called Levun. Legends, I asked, suspecting Ganthuk knew more about Levun history than he was letting on. Yes, legends, he replied, winking. Levun began as a fertiliser, and it has evolved into so much more since then. Heading for the door... He gestured for me to follow him. When I went to grab Shiny Top, Ganhook said, You can leave him here today. He's happier in here. I followed Ganhook out into the courtyard. We stopped about five metres from the false door in the wall. Ganhook pointed back at the fortress and said, My compound's official entrance is there. But I rarely use it. There are too many watchers outside. I pointed up a two-tone tam and said, Enemies? Ganthuk grinned. All the relics in the city of bones attract the curious, and the curious attract peddlers, and peddlers attract the city guard because, often, peddlers peddle illegal things. Spies watch too, of course. An image of a crowd of tourists milling about beyond the wall appeared in my mind and made me smile. People also wait to ask favours from me, Ganhu continued. 
Those with sick children are the hardest to deal with. But I do try. It sounds a bit like I began, but I didn't know how to finish. Once you start going out, Ganhook said, you'll need to know how to deal with those watchers too. Before I could ask exactly when I would start going out, Ganhook said, Two forms of Levon exist. Levon light powers everyday things, and pure Levon powers wonders. Muttering, he touched the wall. A dark oval stain appeared beneath his fingers and spread outwards until it was bigger than a man. Ganhuk tapped the stain. It collapsed into nothing, revealing a perfectly formed oval hole in the wall. The darkness beyond the hole was a deeper shade than black. The smell of singed hair swept into my nostrils, triggering flashbacks of when I'd opened the interdimensional gateway. Dreadful flashbacks. The same darkness. The same shape. The same smell. Half expecting Takrek, the gateway keeper, to lunge from the darkness, I backed up. Ganha grabbed my arm and said, Does it remind you of the gateway that brought you here? I nodded because I didn't trust any voice to emerge if I tried to speak. There is no Tatrek here, Ganhuk continued. But you have to pass through the opening. I know you're scared, but you have to pass through it. Suddenly I was ashamed of being afraid. The truth was, with all my thoughts about escape, I'd never once considered my reaction when faced with the interdimensional gateway again. I suppose I'd blocked the horror of it from my mind. Now, here I was in front of something similar, and ready to bolt like a scared child back to room zero. Some insane part of me imagined that if I did pass through this opening, I'd find myself in the tunnels beneath Keyes Manor. I could follow them upstairs, find Uncle Peter, and call my parents to tell them about my really, really strange dream. The reality, however, was that the only really, really strange dream was the dream that this opening could bring me home. It's good, Ganhook whispered encouragingly. You're good. The interdimensional gateway had changed my life, utterly. Instinct told me that passing through this opening would restore some of the trust in reality that I had lost. A voice from inside called, Herder's Fish, Best Market in the City. Fresh red collop, now in stock, for a... The voice tailed off. It was a ridiculous voice, an unthreatening voice, nothing like Tatrek's horse crowing. The voice advertising the fish market comforted me. I stepped through the opening. Standing in the space, half illuminated by the sunshine streaming in the opening, I realised that Ganhuk hadn't simply brought me here to show me Levun. He brought me here to show me my fears and help me conquer them. I said, the interdimensional gateway was powered with Levun. Yes, Ganhuk said, joining me. And so much more. Then, like hunters sensing prey, voices rose up from the direction of the fake doorway.
Villager's timepiece of save you time, something called. Trigot, trogots and trugots. Best you find anywhere. Bring. I never found out what the trigot things brought, because the automated voices had some kind of argument function built into them when they sensed another voice advertising a similar product. Chagall's Funeral Services, a smooth female voice called. Go to Gravelands in style. No, a voice cried back. Chagall's are gammons. The oldest plots in Gravelands are managed by us. GM Mangalas. Visit us for top quality. On and on this fascinating nonsense continued. Scary, funny, curious and tragic, all at the same time. Calming too. My fears and memories of the gateway subsided. This is what is destroying culture, Ganhook said, tossing something towards the chaotic chattering. The voices sank away to murmurs. Though I had no idea what he meant, I nodded anyway. I've seen a new side to this strange man. A very human side. Ganhug said, The Levun Guild is suffering a personnel crisis. The young want easy money these days. They're not prepared for 20-hour workdays or long spells without a day off. There's easier money to be made elsewhere. The opening closed over. Apart from a dull beam of light passing in the fake doorway's porthole, the space was pitch black. It's true that people need to advertise their wares, Kanthuk said, but this voice advertising is getting out of hand. Briefly, Ganhuk reminded me of my father complaining about junk mail. These voices were another version of that. Nothing to fear. In fact, it made me think a bit differently about Levon. I said, how do we find the door again? With practice, Ganhuk said, his voice sounding stronger than usual. A light fizzled into life. A lantern. A spark popped from the top of it and hopped off through the space, igniting a string of lanterns fixed to the wall. People are too soft these days, Ganhu continued. They forget about the spirit storms. They forget about the other dangers. They forget what happened to the City of Roses. While I wanted to quiz him more about these dangers, my surroundings were more interesting right then. The light reflecting off the bones gave everything a comfortably yellow hue. The smell of burning lamp oil was comfortingly familiar too. I needed comforting. The space stretched off on either side of us, a narrow claustrophobic corridor that rose up into darkness. It was easy to imagine all kinds of things watching from up there. I tried connecting sparks here, Ganthuk said, but it didn't work out. He didn't offer any reason, nor did he explain why no intruder detection spells were assigned to the space. Tapping the outer wall, he said, It's perfectly safe in here, mostly. My enemies used pure Levun spells to break into the compound. They wasted their time. Nothing can penetrate the inner wall. Pure Levun is notoriously expensive, and I was happy to decommission their spells and recycle their Levun for my projects. 
I don't know if it was the lamp oil, the darkness, or all this information that caused it, but my head started to spin. Why do you think there are fake doors? Ganhook asked. The question kind of cleared my mind a bit. I thought about those fake doors last night. Now that I knew about the junk voices and the spells and how they tried to break into the compound, a theory formed in my mind. Yes, those advertising spells wandered the city, but their purpose was to pass through doors. Were the fake doors used to attract them, to gather them together for some reason? It sounded absolutely loopy, but I'd seen enough loopy and doonery already to believe it. When I told Ganhook my theory, his eyebrows rose. Excellent, he said. You are astute. I didn't know what astute meant, but the sound of it made my spirit soar. My spirits collapsed moments later when Ganhook added, Why, I think you'd be ready to start cleaning the space sooner than I'd anticipated. Come in here, I said, to clean. It's a great way to get used to live on light, Ganhook said. And you'll be helping me. I've had to come in here every two weeks to clean it out. Can't you get Steincat or her ghosts to do it, I said. She did try, Ganhook replied. Too many strange voices, I asked, thinking how Aunt May's cat hated strangers. It's odd, Ganhook continued. Anytime she sent a ghost in here, they emerged repeating what the advertisement spelled said. Nearly drove everybody mad. Trying to forget about what my new job might entail, I focused on the space. While the outer wall was stained in places, the inner wall was pockmarked and scarred, as if something had tried to bury its way through it. The outer wall is treated to allow the Levun pass through, Ganhook said. The inner wall is unbreakable. Strong spells have tried to burst through but they've always failed. It puzzled me why anything was allowed through the outer wall. When I asked Ganhook this, he grinned. The compound is a target. Merchants know that if I ever endorsed one of their products, that product would become a bestseller. I have never endorsed anything. They still try, though, to get me interested. I get ten times the amount of garbage voices than most other people. So why do you let them in, then? I repeated. My reputation, Gantick replied. I can't let all that detritus drift about outside. There'd be chaos. Besides, Levun is expensive. So, I recycle all the Levun light and use it myself. He paused, then added. Recycling the Levun light will be your job too. Then he clapped his hands together. You know, he said, Sometimes, when certain merchants, those with really bad practices, send spells here, I pretend to be interested. I encourage them to send me more. That way I drain their Levun light supply. Although that made me smile, I stopped smiling when Ganhug handed me a wooden sphere. It was about the size of a tennis ball, and carved from red wood. Always bring this in here when you're cleaning he said. And when you're done cleaning, bring the sphere to me. Is it for protection? I asked. You don't need protecting in here, Ganhek replied. The sphere is to detect 
anomalies. With that, the opening blossomed in the wall ahead of us and we passed outside. And that was my first official introduction to Levon. A bit of context on my official introduction to the magic of Dunery. Although Ganthug wanted me to challenge my fears regarding my interdimensional gateway experience, his main goal was to begin demystifying the magic substance Levon so I could begin to understand it. The Dunery equivalent of junk mail was the last thing I'd expected. Back home, my parents always moaned about junk mail, and here I was, a whole interdimensional gateway from home, and experiencing a similar problem. By exposing me to such an annoying feature of Levon, Ganhuk made it slightly less threatening than before. It was also a great way to discover Ganhuk's human side. True, he was a master mage, but he is as quick to moan about the world as everybody else I knew. In Dunery, manipulating Levon is seen as just another job, a normalised technology. Those that use it range from advertisers to master mages. Because I encounter Levon Light on a daily basis, it's this version of Levon and those who use it that is often the most interesting and useful to understand this world. Think about how you can normalise magic in your world. Is it realistic to have super magicians who control all the great power? Wouldn't these super magicians have countless rivals who want some of the action? Like Dunery, would it be more interesting if your magic system had different tiers and uses for your magic? Maybe think of it this way. If there is a powerful energy source available to your world, why would it not be beneficial to everybody, or at least some part of it? Nuclear weapons give great power here. For obvious reasons, this power needs to be strictly controlled. But the same substance powers countless other things, for countless ordinary people too. What destroys a city can cure cancer. Like everything else, Magic just doesn't appear out of nowhere. In order to become useful, magic must be discovered and refined over countless years. That's how any useful substance becomes useful. I gave electricity as a previous example in another podcast. Electricity went from treating pain in ancient Greece to powering the world today. And along the way, nobody harnessed it and kept it for themselves. Levon followed a similar route. While its most powerful uses are strictly controlled, a form of it powers numerous things in Dunery. That form is called Levon Light. Levon Light was never meant to power that junk advertising I heard. But no great power has ever existed that isn't evolving or open to exploitation. A magic system is a continuous process. Think about how your magic system will evolve. Nothing remains static. If so, it fades, because the world, every world, constantly moves forward. Magicians need to keep up to innovate. Ordinary people will always experiment with technology, and for good and bad, create extraordinary things. Someone will always come up with something new. Ganhuk, a master mage 
had plenty to complain about regarding how Lavon was used. This gave me a much better picture of him. This encouraged me to try to understand the perspectives of different practitioners of Lavon. If you want to better understand your magic system, interview your magic practitioners to discover what they really think of their jobs. This will help you to make your magic more relatable. Here are some very cut-down sample interviews I have done with Levun practitioners. Interview 1. What do you do? I asked the magic practitioner. I'm a magician, the practitioner replied. How exciting, I say. It's not, it's boring, the practitioner replied. I'm stuck in a dead-end job. I've another 22 years of servicing Levun spells and decommissioning out-of-date spells before I can retire to the Jamodian coast. Okay. Or it can go like this. What do you do? I asked. Oh, well, actually, I'm a magician. Third level. How exciting, I said. Not exciting. Exhilarating. I'm in the Levun Guild's research and development department. We build and test the new stuff. And we'll both be arrested if I tell you about any of that new stuff. Naturally, the interview ended there. But all the interviews gave me great insight into how everyone has different views on what Levon is, how it should be used, and how it can be improved, and so on. And also tried to find out how those characters are first introduced to magic. Just giving a character some magic ability dilutes the importance of the magic. They need to learn about it. They need to earn the right to use it. Anyone can switch on a light bulb, but if you want to wire a house, you need to train as an electrician first. I still have my wooden sphere. It's a bit battered, but it's become my talisman, the thing I focus on whenever I think about Levun. It's become a tool for mental stimulation. Creating a magic system is an extraordinarily complex process. It helps to have something to ground yourself to it when generating ideas. The sphere helped me. I only ever focused on it when thinking about Levun. Perhaps you can find something similar, some oddity to use as a talisman too. Only use it when you think about your magic system. Have fun with it. Play with it. Playing with things stimulates the brain and encourages the brain to come up with better ideas. Magical ideas. This week's Strange But True details an unusual ritual that has grown around the bones of Two-Tone Tam. An invisible energy dome spell protects Ganhug's compound from above. Embedded within this spell is the skeleton of a flying creature sent by one of Ganhug's enemies to assassinate him. Ganhug calls this thing Two-Tone Tam, on account of his enemy's name and the colour of the assassin creature's bones. Snared mid-dive in the dome, its upper torso, wings and long tooty skull are glaringly white. The section poking up out of the dome, its lower torso, legs and long bony tail, are a dull yellow. Ganhug left the beast there to deter future assassins. Over time, a strange initiation rite into a local gang has evolved around it. 
It's a teenage gang. Mostly harmless. But if you want to join it, you've got to snare a pair of laced-up boots on two-toned Tam's tail and suffer the consequences. Normally, a big slingshot is used to launch the boots high enough to catch around Tam's tail. Ganhook enjoys this. Rumour has it that interacting with this gang is one of the few stress-relieving fun things he allows himself. Once Ganhook recovers the boots, he'll put a tracer spell on them. This spell gives the boots life, enabling them to track down the one who tossed them. Then Ganhook will open the front door and the boots will clatter off down the street, searching for the victim. As part of the initiation, the candidate must try to outrun the boots before the tracer spell wears off. This never happens. Normally they'll get such a toe up the behind from the boots, they'll not sit easy for a week. But they'll join the gang. That's it for this episode. Next time, I sort of get to meet my ancestors who came here before me, and I discuss how art can help build out your world. Until then, goodbye. Or, as we say in Dunery, Dreyavik. <laughs>